finding ways to find that seam. Drive side, wrist shot, score, game time! His sixth massive sigh of relief for him, and the Oilers have forged a 1-1 deadlock. Dishing off, Nugent gets one-timer, drive side, and that is rematch him to Distance on Clutterbuck. And then what a beautiful stretch. Here's McDavid off the left. Rebound trickles home. Sorokin beat. And McDavid gets one to go in. Three, one, Edmonton. They're back. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Saul 51 for November 15th, and it is game day at Rogers Place as the Oilers look for a three-game winning streak with the Seattle Kraken in town. It is a 6.30 puck drop, and the Oilers coming off a pretty big win over the New York Islanders 4-1 on Monday night to beat Seattle in a really a one-sided game on the weekend. So we'll see if the Oilers could make it two in a row. And is it must-win situation time already? Yeah, you know, we're almost getting to that stage where it kind of is in the conversation. Seattle with 13 points, the Oilers with nine. And you can say, well, okay, the Oilers are technically seven points out of a wild-card spot. Actually, make it eight because Seattle, uh, St. Louis has 17 Anaheim has 18. How Anaheim has 18 points, Duke? Who knows? Uh, We'll get to the Duke in just a second because he had an eventful evening for sure. But St. Louis sits in the number two wild card spot right now. Eight points ahead of the Oilers. It's not the fact that the Oilers are eight points down. It's the fact that there's so many teams in between them. You can win a game, but someone in there is going to win another game as well. First full practice yesterday under the new head coach Chris Knobloch. It was a high tempo kind of spirit affair, lots of smiles, um, upbeat. A lot of the players having fun. Well, that's what happens when you win a couple of games in a row. You have fun. You're doing what you're supposed to do. It's not a grind. It's not a battle. It's not, oh man, here we go again. Coach was one of the last to leave the ice yesterday at the downtown community arena. His number one priority, you can say whatever it is, install this system, put this in place, figure this out. His number one priority without question is get to know his players. He has to have these conversations one-on-one. You saw it on the morning skate before the New York Islander game on Monday night. But that's what he's doing right now. He's got to get to know the ins and the outs. What makes each player tick? How can I get the very best out of each and every guy? Dylan Holloway obviously didn't practice yesterday. He's going to be out for quite some time with a leg injury. There was kind of a paper transaction, if you will, with Raphael Lavoie. Connor Brown looked... Pretty good at practice yesterday. Looked like he is ready to rock and roll. Maybe he gets instituted in the lineup, implemented in the lineup tonight against Seattle. Pretty good chance you would think on that. The key here right now with guys coming in, guys coming out, could be the third line. Fogel, McLeod, and now Derek Ryan will be there. 
That triumvirate had a pretty good playoff against Vegas last year. So let's see what they can do, kind of put together here and see how long they stay together. It was one of the things we saw Monday with Chris Knobloch and his lines against the Islanders. Two big things happening. Well, let's just get one one more thing out of the way last night. Jack Campbell, another rough, rough, rough night in uh, Bakersfield. The Condors lost 6-3 to the Calgary Wranglers. Campbell gave up five goals, one of them on the first shot. The last goal, the fifth goal, is really the only one that I saw, and it was a bad goal. It was a, it was a bad goal he let in. Baco outshot the Wranglers 42-27. Campbell right now has an 819 save percentage in his starts down there. Text line is open, 1-833-401-1440. You can call that number, too. 1-833-401-1440. Give us a shout. Uh, we'll get you on the air. So the two big things from last night, one of them was at Rogers Place, the Jonas Brothers. The Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas, was in the, were you in the mosh pit? Is, do they have a mosh pit at the Jonas Brothers, Duke? There was no mosh pit, but there was a full house at Rogers. <laughs> uh, we were up in the upper bowl, great seats, kind of on the back half, looking straight down the line at the uh, the main stage. They had a little catwalk out to a secondary stage, kind of oh, up near the uh, just intimate. Other, other end of the stadium. It was, here's what I'm going to say about this, and I'm only going to say it once. because <laughs> I've, ta- I've taken a lot of flack over the past uh, 24 hours, give or take, for my taste in music, and this was just one small sample of it. Anybody that thinks that I'm a loser for going to <laughs> I Jonas never called Brothers you a loser. Can take their raccoon Aww. taste and shove it because uh, those boys and their entire band, and when I say entire band, they had an entire stage worth of musicians, a full brass section, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, a full collection of backup vocalists. It was a terrific show. The actual... Um, Musical performance was top shelf. Okay. All three of those guys are incredibly talented, playing instruments, singing, um, and, and it was long. There was tons of music. Was it over two and a half hours? It was over oh, two and good. a half hours. There you go, Kev. Um, okay. And it, it was a terrific evening. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, Kevin. Some days you got the knuckleball dancing, and other days you're just trying to get through four innings before the manager comes out and gives you the hook. I am the latter of those okay. two today. How it, many? You're 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 gonna have. I'm a tough, fighting it today. Okay, well that's good. I mean, as my dad used to say, if you want to dance, you got to pay the fiddler, right? I, I've heard similar versions of that uh, using more colorful language mm-hmm. sometimes uh, from my own father and mother yeah. at times. But yes, uh, how many brothers are there in the band? There's three. Yeah, three Jonas brothers: Kevin, the eldest, <laughs> Joe. Recently uh, separated from Sophie Turner, star actress from Game of Thrones, if you uh, are familiar. Okay. Sansa Stark. And uh, Nick, the youngest. Oh, we've got a call coming in right away. Is it, I wonder what it's going to be about. Duke will get to that. But uh, the other big news today, coming out, oh, maybe just 10, 10 minutes ago. Good morning. How are you? Cleveland Browns announced that Deshaun Watson was gone for the year. Quarterback, gone for the year. He's going to have surgery on his shoulder, and he had an MRI on Monday because he was injured with a couple of injuries in Sunday's game to Baltimore. So um, Deshaun Watson gone for the year. I mean, how can the uh, – I don't know how you rebound from this, but 
Nick Chubb out for the year. I mean, two, they're two, two top offensive weapons basically gone for the season in Cleveland. So Taylor Heineke got banged up too. Uh, I know. I mean, I mean, Deshaun Watson, these guys, they're having some tough goes. And I don't mean Taylor Heineke in the sense for Cleveland, but just talking about a, a friend of ours in a in fantasy league. So too bad for him. Anyways, um, Deshaun Watson gone for the season. Good thing Cleveland has a stellar defense. The contract is just, I mean, this contract that Deshaun Watson signed, $230 million, fully, fully guaranteed, five years, $230 million. This thing is just like a cement block hanging around the Cleveland Browns right now. They, I mean, there's no way you can even buy this guy out for dead cap space. You're looking at like $100 million, over $100 million if you do it in the next little bit. There's a possibility you could do it in a couple of years, but you're still going to have a whole whack, a dead cap space. Uh, Cleveland Browns in big trouble. Text coming in to one 401 I don't wish anyone to be injured, but as a Texans fans, I'm so happy Watson is done. That goes from Fat Efron. Stairfimer chimes in. Good morning, boys. Campbell is horrid all around. He should be doing good in the AHL considering he's supposed to be an NHL starter. JCD, taking my dog for a walk with the song on repeat. Thank you very much. Uh, 710 coming up here. Now, Deshaun Watson, I don't know. How do the, the Browns, I mean, they have a great defense, Duke, but looking forward, is there is there any way the Browns can make a push here for the playoffs? I, I just don't see it now. But especially you got Nick Chubb out. You got Brown out or Watson out. These guys are in a world of hurt right now. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see it right now. This certainly puts a dent in the planet, and it was, it comes at unfortunate timing for Deshaun Watson because he was kind of actually just starting to look at least shadows and shades of the the Deshaun that we saw in Houston, where he was a MVP caliber quarterback mm-hmm. there under center. So it's, uh, it's frustrating for Browns fans who have. Certainly not been without their own fair share of misery <laughs> over wow. the uh, entire course of that franchise. But um, that defense is so good. They have playmakers uh, at the wide receiver and tight end positions. So playoffs. PJ Walker, think, right? Think, he comes I, in now. I think it's still a possibility. The <sighs> problem is that their division is so dang good. Yeah. Every single team above I, 500, they're all going to be in the mix. Um, even if they were to sneak into the playoffs, any chance of advancing uh, – at a measurable distance is certainly mm-hmm. out the door now. And my preseason future on the Cleveland Browns to win the AFC North Done. is now all of a sudden looking pretty grim. It was a good pick to start. I'll give you that, Duke. Yeah. Uh, Browns paid $90.8 million. This comes from Corey for 11 games of work. Cap hit goes up next year. Again, they can't buy him out because of the dead cap space. I believe the highest dead cap space right now in, my, I guess, NFL history is Matt Ryan with Atlanta, about 40 mil. If somehow, well, they just can't. I mean, I, I, it's double that. It's, I think it's over 100. I don't even know what it is. It's 100 and some million dollars of dead cap space if they were to buy them out right now. Let's get back to the Jonas Brothers for a quick second, Duke, because we sort of were interrupted on that. So you're saying again, and I, I, I never called you a loser. Who called? So, so you, who you, call, can, you can say things without actually saying them, oh, Kevin. I, I got your vibe yesterday. No, no, you were, no. You were throwing I would shade. never call you a loser. You dude. were throwing shade all morning, you and Grant Fear. And then as I was having some pre drinks at the Canadian Brew House, or the Ice House, I should say, pardon me, mm-hmm. right across from Rogers, they've got a nice wall there with some um, collectible or a collection of vintage masks, yeah. uh, replica type things. And what do I look up and see as I sit down and enjoy my. Uh, 
pint of cold beer, but Grant Fear's Coco's mask staring down at me. I was like, Grant Fear can't leave me alone on this topic. Oh. He's everywhere I turn. He was on you just as much as me yesterday. 100%. That was you guys great. both were. So I saw you posted a thing. Yeah. Like, it was almost like you were on me, and then Grant comes in, and now, you know, it's, you know, Grant's giving me the gears here and there. It was okay. Well, I thought as as I said in the tweet, it's one thing to get some get the gears from you. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're sitting here in the studio. It's but it's uh, a Hall of Famer, forth. man. This is a Hall of Fame Stanley <laughs> Cup champion, one of the greatest goaltenders to ever play the game, oh, who is, is kind awesome. enough to lend his time to us yeah. on the show every Tuesday for two hours, and he's absolutely given it to me about just going out and enjoying some music that I uh, that I care to take in. I do appreciate your. Having the wide open genre yeah. of music, I, I I like good music. I now, don't care if it's rock music, pop music, country music, new age country music, old school like heavy metal, whatever. Good music is good music. Hip hop music, it doesn't <laughs> matter. So, uh, just one last one with these Jonas Brother dudes. So you're saying there was a big brass band there too? Like the, like a several piece sack, couple saxophones. It was. An ordeal, and it was awesome that all the musicians they had were incredibly talented. Uh, as I mentioned, like the backup vocalist, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a couple songs in their collection that lend themselves to that almost more uh, theatric, dramatic, um, instrumental aspect, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was great. And like all like Kevin, not as much, so I will say, but uh, <laughs> the the two, if you want to call them front men of the group, Nick and Joe Jonas, are such talented vocalists. Mm. Uh, like the range on notes and stuff is is very good. So it, it was a great night, start to finish. Um, like I said, it was a late one. Uh, by the time the show was over, and I get uh, weighed my way through traffic to get an Uber to come back here to the West End and rest my head for a few hours <laughs> before uh, getting up to to come in here and I do this love with you. But you it know, was it was a great night. I have nothing bad to say. And about I appreciate it. a guy. I can't do this any. I can't like I can't do that anymore. There's no way I could go out till. Doing this show now, I think I could press going out after midnight, like mm. to to midnight ish kind of thing. I could press it once in a blue moon, but I'm not even going to try it anymore. And those that know me and know me quite well will attest that there was a time where hours in the day, time of day, didn't matter, did not matter. Time was a flat circle for it you. It didn't matter. Like the, one of the the best ones was at the Great Cup. It was a buddy of mine. Slitz was in town, and we went at it pretty good. And basically, well, I'll just say the story. I don't care. I mean, it's a long time ago. It's twenty years ago. Uh, ordered a whack of Chinese food. We had a hundred dollars of Chinese food on the table sitting in front of us. Woke up at the table, looked at each other, and said, "What time is it?" Because it was November 20, whatever, <laughs> and said uh, 7 o'clock. And both of us looked at each other and said, a.m. or p.m. <laughs> so there you go, Duke. Been there. Yes. Been there. A lot of texts coming in regarding Jack Campbell. We'll get to those in a second. Northside Norm rocks in as well. Uh, busy show again. Man, the guests just keep flying in, flying in. Uh, Zach Daly from the uh, McEwen Men's Griffins hockey team will join us at 7.20. The Griffs uh, in action this weekend. Got a couple of home games. Actually, it's a home-and-home with Mount Royal University uh, this weekend. Mark Spector will join us at 8 o'clock, as he does every day on the mark for Booster Juice. Our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada. The last time we talked to Super Davey, had worked about 27 hours straight, speaking of burning the candle at both ends. 
David Schlemko is our Wednesday co-host from 9 to 11, the former NHLer, and we will have another edition of In or Out. Or are you in or are you out? Maybe there's a Jonas Brothers question in there. Who knows? Kyle Chipchura, uh, former teammate of Schlemmer's, will uh, check in at 10 o'clock, plus Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times as the Oilers get ready to take on the Kraken tonight. 6.30 puck drop. Again, 6.30 puck drop at Rogers Place. That's coming up uh, in the 10 o'clock hour. When we come back, Zach Daly, McEwen, men's hockey coach, will guest with us on Sports 1440. Stay with us. More coming up right after the break. Oh, see. So here's the funny part. I just said to the Duke, are these the Jonas Brothers? I didn't even know. It sounds like it could be like the brothers. So from now on, anytime Kevin hears any pop music, that is a song he does not recognize. I thought they were the Jonas Brothers. He'll be like, oh, that must be the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> no, that is not the Jonas okay, Brothers. Well, for anybody else curious. close? No, oh. not even. That's that's technically a country artist. Oh, okay. Uh, just doing a little crossover action with some uh, <laughs> hip-hop guys. And wow. Whatever, so. <laughs> Just before we get to Griffin's uh, head coach of the men's hockey team, Zach Daly, wanted to read this from uh, last night. And I'm sure Zach Daly is listening as well just before we get him on, and he's going to go, oh, man, if this could just happen all the time. Pittsburgh Penguins won their fifth game last night. Sidney Crosby had three goals and one assist. Crosby's on a heater right now, 14 points in a nine-game point scoring streak. Here's from Sidney Crosby. With every game, I think you feel more and more comfortable. You know, I think as a team, I feel we know what our game looks like. We're getting to it a little bit more. It's nice to get out there and just play on instincts and just read plays and play off one another and not think about the system or what you have to do too much. So I think it's coming and we're getting to our game a lot more as we go in the community for United Sport and Cycle, a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business in the heart of Old Strathcona. United Cycle's been supporting hockey in our community for over 95 years as we welcome in Zach Daly, men's hockey coach for the Griffins. Uh, Zach, you could hear that little clip from Sidney Crosby. Isn't that a coach's dream when that happens? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great clip, great quote, but... Um, yeah, that's what we want players to do a lot of the time is just play with instinct. Obviously, they have to know what's going on with the system, but uh, the more they play instinct and worry-free, the better off they are. Do you think sometimes players, because of the uh, amount of information, the video that they get inundated, uh, that sometimes overthink the play, the game, and think too much? Yeah, absolutely. I also think it's um, a lot of guys who made be in and out of the lineup are afraid, afraid to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So they're too worried on what's going on in the systems and less worried on just playing freely. So, um, yeah, that's definitely an issue. Um, we try not to overload our guys with, with systems and with video. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, obviously you need a system. Uh, you need guys to be on the same page. But I think as the season goes along and guys are more comfortable with it, they're able to just play worry-free. Zach Daly, men's hockey coach from the McEwen Griffins, is our guest on Sports 1440. As a coach, Zach, would you like to just press a magic button and see that appear? And how can it happen quicker? How do you hope it happens quicker? And, like, what can you do to kind of gel together quicker? Yeah, a magic button would be great. I'm sure every coach would like that. Um, I think just um, starting early, so 
summertime, maybe having meetings with guys, um, reminding them of the systems for the returning guys, uh, for new players, maybe getting them started a little early and having some sessions um, in the summer. That way when camp starts uh, and school starts, they kind of have a running start. Um, but that being said, it's, uh, there's no magic answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone learns at different paces. You have to uh, take it as it comes and uh, hope that uh, guys are on the same page quickly. Zach Daly from the McEwen Griffins hockey team with us uh, on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Zach, I'm not sure if you heard uh, Chris Knobloch's comments in the last few days just about the amount of practice time that you're allotted in the NHL. It's just with travel, with games, with schedule, it's tough. At your level, at the CIS level, it's a little different. Playing weekend games, you guys get a little more practice time. So how do you make the best use of your practice time with the Griffins? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, so for us, um, we usually review the weekend on on Sunday and see what we did well and what we need to work on, and then we structure our week of practice around the things we can get better at. Um, we also do pre-scouts on the team we're playing that weekend, so we make any changes to our game that we need to to incorporate uh, what the other team does. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, usually Mondays are a pretty hard day. We skate a lot, compete a lot. Um, Tuesdays we start to get into systems, maybe some rush against, maybe some D zone coverage, um, and then uh, Wednesdays are usually special teams and breakouts, and then Thursdays are pregame skate with some special teams. So that's usually the breakdown to our week. Um, but again, we make adjustments depending mm-hmm. on what we need to work on and and who we have coming up for the weekend. Yeah, and you have to make adjustments on the fly. You can't be rigid. That's the key to good coaching for sure. So uh, last weekend you had a pretty good weekend at uh, Trinity Western. Can you just touch on uh, the road games, the two road wins that you, you you picked up last weekend? Yeah, I thought our guys did a great job. It's always a little bit tough coming off a bye week where you're not playing uh, for two weeks there, and, and I was impressed with our starts. I think both games we scored within the first couple minutes of the game, so we set the tone early, which was great. Um, I liked our effort throughout. I think we can continue to work on um, managing of the puck and not turning it over as much, but I really liked our guys' effort. And we talk about our foundation being um, hard work, skating, competing, blocking shots, and I thought that was there all weekend. How would you say your special teams have been so far this year? Uh, Improving. So I thought our power play had a very, very slow start. Um, I think the last three weekends we've been uh, doing much better, scoring some goals. Um, And then our PK has been good. Um, Our issue is we take too many penalties. So uh, anytime that you are in the box, you know, four or five times a game, it doesn't really matter how good your your penalty kill is. You're probably going to be giving up goals. So um, our discipline needs to improve. But um, one thing I really like on our penalty kill is our sacrifice. Uh, We block a whole bunch of shots. Guys are willing to put their bodies on the line for the team, and that's great. Griffins men's hockey head coach Zach Daly is our guest on Sports 1440. So when you say discipline, how, as a coach, do you implement that? Uh, You know, you always hear the word uh, accountability. So how do you kind of relay that to your players? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think um, everyone probably has a different uh, feeling on how to hold people accountable. Um, For me, it's setting an expectation early and uh, letting guys know what we expect um, and then having players hold each other accountable, I think is the most powerful thing. Um, as you know, everyone respects their coach or their, their teammates a whole bunch, and it means more coming from their teammates than the coach. Um, that being said, if there is something that I don't like and uh, it's been talked about, it's probably just a quick chat, maybe miss a couple shifts to send the message uh, and then keep going. 
Can you speak a little bit about uh, rookie Caden Shabbat, uh, one of the top uh, point producers on your team? Yeah, he's been really good for us so far. Um, watching video of him in juniors, this is, you know, maybe a bit more than we expected, but we knew he had offensive talent. Um, what I didn't know was his complete game. Um, not only is he producing, but he's doing a great job five on five. Uh, he's made some huge blocks for us this year, game-saving blocks. Um, and he's a great teammate who works hard in the gym and works hard off the ice. So we've been super happy to have him, and I'm um, really happy to see him having some success lately. Who are some of the guys, Zach, some of the players on your team that have complimented Caden so far this year? So his line mates right now are Ethan Strang as a second-year guy and Brendan Boyle, second-year guy. Um, they've been doing a, a really good job together. Um, kind of a good mix of work, skill, shooting, playmaking. Uh, everyone kind of brings a little bit so- different something different to the table uh, i think they've been doing a great job of gelling together what about on the defensive angle and your goaltending can you just touch on that yeah so goaltending is probably the strongest part of our team um we have two fifth year guys who have been doing a great job for us um it's hard to expect them to be exceptional every night but uh they've done that for quite a bit of the season so far so um our expectation is that they give us a a chance to win every night so we're not surprised when they're when they're making some big saves for us um in terms of defense we have um quite a few first year guys three of our six are first year guys Mm -hmm. um so we're trying to just play a system that is a little bit more simple um they have options right away on breakouts um that way they don't have to overhandle pucks um, but that's something that's been improving um, for our team is our defensive play. Um, something that I really like is we're a little bit more physical in our D zone this year, which I think is great. Um, and then, like I said, on our penalty kill, our D do a fantastic job of being in lanes and blocking shots. Um, so I think that we're improving. Uh, obviously, team defense needs to continue to improve, but I think we're taking some good steps. Hey, Zach, how difficult is it to build a program? You know, the Griffins join... Canada West and obviously the Alberta Golden Bears are the lead dog in town and, you know, even across the country with the history of the program. Although this year, I mean, UBC has a fantastic team, but just building a program, you know, not from scratch because you come from the ACAC, you have a little bit of uh, that foundation, but it's a different type of foundation when you go to the next level. So what have been some of the challenges that, you know, the whole program, the school to get a foothold in Canada West? Yeah, I think that um, first and foremost, one of the challenges is just patience and being realistic. I think everyone wants to have a win-now mentality, and that's certainly our approach, but you have to understand that there's a process to that and that the teams who are good in this league weren't just good right away. They've spent years and years of developing and finding a system that works for them. So um, being realistic, I think, is one is one piece. Um, and then we're just playing catch-up. Mm-hmm. And so the thing I tell our guys all the time is, if we're doing the exact same thing as every other team, we're never going to catch up. We have to be doing extra. We have to be doing more to catch up and get in the same spot as these guys. Um, but I think we have some really good people in place. I know that we have an athletic department who really cares about their athletes and their mm-hmm. coaches, um, which is a great step in the right direction. Um, I know that we have a lot of people on our team who are really proud to be Griffins, mm-hmm. which is something that means a lot to me and, and to our program. Um, so I think we're on the right track. Um, I think just, you know, uh, I like to tell our guys to embrace the grind. It's hard to be a student athlete. Um, and then we're student athletes who are expected to do extra 
than other people. Work out more, mm-hmm. um, harder ice sessions. So it is hard, uh, but we have to find some some love and some passion in the grind. You know, uh, Zach Daly's with us, uh, McEwen men's hockey head coach, uh, the Griffins. Uh, I always ask this question kind of to, you know, every, you know, post-secondary coach that we have on the program is how the the student athletes juggle everything because it's such a tough balance as you were kind of alluding to. So is there anything in place at, at McEwen? You know, I know some other programs have things in place. How do you help these student athletes along to have that balance to both excel in the, in the classroom, but also, you know, on the ice or on the court as well? Yeah, there's a lot of supports the university has. Um, a lot of our teachers are quite understanding, and uh, with our smaller class sizes, they're willing to meet with players one-on-one and help them out. Um, we also have study halls every week that we do that are mandatory for first-year and second-year uh, athletes um, so they can um, you know, meet if they need any help or supports. So mm-hmm. We can find supports for them. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, I, I attest the junior hockey programs who kind of prepared them for the time management piece yeah. where they're organized. They've already had to manage high school while playing hockey. Um, obviously, university is a bit of a different beast with tougher classes, but um, really give a lot of credit to the junior programs they come from for um, getting them prepared. One last one for you, Zach, just the, the schedule for the Griffins this weekend with the home and home. Yeah, uh, Mount Royal, they're a very good hockey team. Uh, they're very fast and skilled. Um, their rink in Calgary is an Olympic rink, so it's always mm-hmm. a little bit harder to go to Calgary and play. Um, but again, uh, our focus is just making sure our foundation is there, uh, winning one-on-one races to pucks, and then winning uh, battles when we get there, uh, and trying to uh, slow them down in the neutral zone. They're a very good transition team, so we'll do our best to manage pucks and try to slow them down in the neutral zone. Do you like playing on that Olympic ice surface? Uh, personally, I did not like playing on it. No, <laughs> it was a little bit tough. The extra, you know, ten feet on the board made yeah. a big difference. Um, and then I'm not sure my players like it either. I think <laughs> it's just something that if you're not used to it, uh, it's really tough to do. But um, they do a very good job of it. Um, I think their home records are exceptional every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to find a way to uh, to have a good game there. Just kind of out of your element, I guess. That's the easiest way to say it. Yeah, I think it's just something they practice on it all mm-hmm. the time, so they're used to it. It's something you don't practice on. Um, you know, there's just extra space out there, and it does work in your favor offensively. You have a little bit more time to make plays, but certainly defending mm-hmm. defensively and defending off the rush are, are much, much harder than you're used to. Hey, uh, Zach, thanks very much for taking some time with us this morning. Good luck this weekend against the Cougars. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. That's Zach. Zach Daly, men's hockey head coach of the McEwen Griffins as we go in the community for United Sport and Cycle. You can save up 35%, up to 35% uh, at United Sport and Cycle during hockey days uh, in the community for over 95 years in Old Strathcona. Had Wolf Brooks on the other day on Monday. That was interesting to talk to Wolf. He was down in Hawaii. That was a neat conversation talking about old... Kenny Hitchcock uh, going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. When we come back on the Kevin Carrier Show, interview yesterday that I did with Vincent DeHarnay, and you know what? He's just a he's just a good interview. You know, out of all the guys, when you when you look around the room, some guys are like, eh, you know, I don't want to. But Vinny really gets into it with you. So Vincent DeHarnay coming up on Sports fourteen forty right after the break. Oh boy! First of all, uh, Northside Norm chimes in and. Our normal 7.40 break, our second break of the morning. 
the Duke always comes through with his uh, Brian Adams. Northside Norm says, in addition to great sports talk, I now have to go to my desk to work when I hear B.A. Thanks, Duke. Northside Norm. Now, this is the best one. So this is your buddy. You and uh, the king of Fort Nasty have a little... You have a little chemistry going here, Duke, or what What do you call your relationship with the King of Fort Nasty? Well, besides the fact he no-showed me at yes. uh, Thursday Night Football at the Fort Saskatchewan Canadian Brewhouse uh, about a month or so ago, uh, I mean, I, I appreciate every single person that takes the time to text or call into mm-hmm. the program, but, uh, you know, the fact coming from Fort Sask, where I've lived or did live for the past two years just about, uh, a little extra little extra fondness for the King of Fort Nasty, especially after great comments like this. Yes. Uh, good morning, KK and Duke. The Griffins may have to consider signing the Duke to a one-weekend contract if they plan on taking on some Cougars. Cheers, the King of Fort Nasty. Uh, Griffins play the Mount Royal University Cougars this weekend, home and home. <laughs> oh, boy. The Duke is getting it this morning. Just wanted to kind of update our listeners on the Deshaun Watson situation. Done for the year. Really, the only way out of this whole debacle, this contract situation, Watson and the Cleveland Browns, is for Watson technically for himself to restructure the contract. That would likely never happen. Why would he want to do it? $230 million. Guaranteed five years. So this, according to the numbers, I'm going to get this from Cody Benjamin from CBS. Give him the props. So if the Browns were to release Watson after this year, and this comes as well, and Watson is using this uh, uh, per over the cap, they would instantly lose $136 million, roughly half of the entire projected 2024 cap. Even if they designate him post-June 1 cut, the loss would be $92 million. Again, I mean, you just can't do it. So the soonest the Browns could cut Deshaun Watson without losing tens and tens of millions of dollars, barring a reconstructing, uh, reconstructing contract on Watson's end, because that's the only way it would happen, is 2026. That's the final year of the deal. And again, uh, hey, I was kind of the current record is forty point five million with Matt Ryan and the Falcons. The other option is a trade where another team would take on some of that contract. Why would you want to do that? Why? It is an absolute mess. Cleveland will be tied to this for years and years and years. So, Duke, you did pick Cleveland to win the division. And this was uh, another thing that came out. This was a uh, this was a chance for every team in the AFC North to make the postseason. I don't know. I mean, maybe Cleveland can still do it with defense. I mean, they have they got they have probably the best defense in the league, but certainly certainly one of the best yeah. defenses, if not the best. But yeah, I, I had a little, you know, hunch at the start of the season. I mean, I mean. And this is keeping in mind before Nick Chubb goes down mm-hmm. with the, the torn knee ligaments. Um, Deshaun Watson, uh, I had aspirations of him returning to the form that we saw him uh, achieve in Houston. Amari Cooper, David Njoku, Miles Garrett on that aforementioned defense. Like This is a team full of playmakers at a lot of different positions. Um, they've been ravaged by injury. Uh, 
first with Chubb and now with Watson. So, I mean, P.J. Walker is a very serviceable backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. Can he carry your team for what is going to be the back half of the season and actually keep them? The thing is their defense will always keep them in games. Mm -hmm. You you need a guy like P.J. Walker to not make mistakes. The bigger issue is that Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt have done perfectly fine filling in for the injured Nick Chubb, but they don't have the same impact on the game on a down-to-down basis. So they're going to be in tough. I, I, I'm not feeling too confident about my my preseason future on them to win the div because, like you said, in theory, all four teams could make the playoffs. It would be very difficult to do mm-hmm. um, all three wildcard spots taken by one to, by one division along with the division champions. So um, the Ravens look like an absolute wagon still. Like, don't let that this past weekend's game mislead you. The Bengals still have Joe Burrow, and the Steelers somehow keep themselves in games despite having what is Again. an anemic offense. Like, I, I don't understand how their record is no, as good well, as Well, their is. defense is playing okay, Their too. defense is yeah. – I mean, they have the best yeah. – w- probably the best defensive player in the league in TJ Watt right yeah. now. Um, one of them. Certainly one of them. So it's it's interesting. And, and this, uh, this Thursday night game uh, between the Bengals and the Ravens tomorrow mm-hmm. will probably give us a little more insight – into um, who's going to come out on top in that division, but mm-hmm. uh, should make for a good back half of the season, even with this uh, noticeable injury taking some wind out of the Browns' sails. Let's talk a little NFL later, you and I, in about the 840 break because there's lots to get to. Again, Deshaun Watson uh, gone. Yesterday I was down at Oilers practice. It was a spirited affair. After the practice, I had a chance to uh, take Vincent DeHarnay aside, and we had a little conversation. Here's that chat. First practice under Chris Knobloch, Vinny. What was it like? Uh, it was good. Uh, high pace, uh, lots of uh, lots of speed, uh, which is obviously it's really good for us. That's that's what we want our, our that that's where we we, we we want our game to be. You know, always always with speed, always with 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 pace, especially with the players we have. Uh, but no, it was really good to compete hard, uh, a couple of compete drills. So uh, no, it was overall it was uh, it was a really good practice. What's the last week been like for you personally? Because Jay and Dave were two of the big reasons you are where you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I was I was able to to see them uh, see them leave. So I was able to to thank them for everything they've they've done for me. And uh, like you mentioned, I've had them for four four and a half years, four years. And you know, my first year, I was, didn't play much. Played five or six games in Bakersfield and skated so much with Mance. And he kept telling me, "Hey, I, you know, believe in you. You'll make it. Just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself." And uh, they played big roles uh, in my in in my career. Um, but you know, it's the business. It's the business. That's uh, that's what it is. And I think a, a coaching change like this, uh, it's going to help me grow. I'm going to learn new things from 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 new uh, new people, new perspectives. So. So uh, it's uh, obviously it's, I, I hate to, to see them go. I think they're, they're, they're really good coaches, really good people. Um, but right now, I, uh, it's it's a new new coaching staff, and uh, I've I've learned a lot. You know, in 24 hours, I've learned a lot already, and it's it's pretty exciting. So in the last 24 hours, as you say, you learned a lot. You've got some new guys in here. What about Paul Coffey on the bench yeah. for the first game there? Yeah, Paul. I mean, Paul is. Uh, he's been around for uh, for for a bit already, but to, to have him here uh, every day and, and to have him on the bench and uh, you know he was like last night he was very positive on the bench like 
always talking to us after every shift. Uh, there's, there's, there's. I feel like there was a lot of uh, communication uh, between between the six uh, defensemen, which I think was really important. It was something we have to, to work on to get better at. Uh, I think the, the more we talk, the better, the, the easier it's going to be on the ice. So I think he brought that uh, last night, and it, I think it showed on the ice. He made a, a pretty big difference. So uh, it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty special to have uh, Paul Koff as a as a D coach. What are the some of the things that you would be talking about communication? wise to get to that comfort level where you know it's just going to take some time here um i think it's just to do it on a, on a daily basis in practices and in the the locker room and, and you know everywhere kind of where we are we, we gotta we gotta keep talking we gotta communicate and um it, we, it's got to be easy for us to know where we are on the ice because the, the, the more we talk the easier it's going to be for us to, to find each other and to break break out pucks and to find options um and, and i think we were getting away a little bit from that uh we're starting to throw pucks a little bit more and and, and try to play with a, with a tighter stick um so i think he brings a lot of calmness behind uh, behind the the bench and um i think it's going to help us to kind of kind of take a deep breath and say hey we're okay we're good players we just got to make plays use our feet and uh like i said i think it, communication is going to be key here. Now, even though Paul wasn't behind the bench in the last little bit, he was still talking yeah. to you guys about things, so yeah. this is just maybe a different forum where the messages kind of relayed to you? Yeah, I mean, he was he was, he was was here I mean, he was here uh, once in a while, maybe once or twice every couple weeks, and uh, he would talk to us, but at the same time, you, you could tell that he was, not the, he was not the coach, he didn't want to step over anyone's toes, and he was he respected uh, the, the, the coaching staff that was here, so he didn't want to go over them um but it was it was nice to have him around uh now to have him uh behind the bench i mean obviously he's got a, his voice is going to be more heard and and he uh like we talked to him every morning you know they, this morning came in and said boys let's go like six d man we're and we just talked about the game and, and it's kind of open right it's like all right like what do you guys think like how is your game Cooley? And, and you know he kind of puts us on the spot and that's good that, that that's how you grow and kind of makes you uncomfortable a little bit but uh yeah that was uh so far so good you got a hall of fame guy saying what do you think of your game yeah. so it's kind of different yeah it is different especially when you know he's got a couple of stanley cups couple of norris trophies um but you know, if i try to listen to everything he says and um, I think it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be good for 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 a decor, uh, different voice, and and yeah, he's he's got something to to bring, and uh, we're all, we're all excited to to learn. And what about just trying to string a few wins here together? You seem to kind of turn things around here in the last couple of games, but what about to maybe try to keep that going and uh, stringing and connecting some wins here together? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is we, we just got to keep building our, our confidence. Um, I think that. In the previous years, the Edmonton Oilers have been a, a confident team. You know, we're down by two or three. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change. It's like we know we got the weapons to come back in the game to score goals. And, to, and I think that at the start of the season, we lost that, that confidence. And I think that's what we're working on right now. Practice habits, good passes, competing hard, good structure. And then at the end of the day, the confidence is going to come with that. If we all do our, our, our own job and we don't worry about whatever is going on the outside, whatever is going on the outside. Um, so no, like t- tomorrow night, that's what we you know first shift. That's all we're that's all we can focus on. And um, we we have a few few things that we're, we're tweaking, we're changing here and there. And um, yeah, we're 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 excited. I mean, it's uh, it's it was a tough tough month. 
uh, but now when you start, you know, seeing some positive, and um, it, it's uh, it's definitely exciting. Vinny, thanks for this. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. That's Oilers defenseman Vincent DeHarnay. Very well spoken in both French and English. It's you know when uh, CBC French is down there, old Hank Patrick Henry, you know. Number 73 is always on the board because that's, you know, obviously his go-to guy for an interview. But in English, he's just, you know, he's seamless. He's a very good interview, well thought out. He expands on his answers. He's engaged. He really enjoys that aspect of it. And don't be surprised down the road, maybe Vincent DeHarnay ends up to be maybe a analyst, commentator, something, you know, RDS. You never know. When we come back, we will check in with Mark Spector on the mark at 8 o'clock for Booster Juice, plus our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show at the top of the hour. Before that, we have a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.